All right. How's it going, everybody? It's Nathan Payne here at the P- Painless Wholesaling Podcast. I got my awesome guest on here, Chris Miles. What's up, Chris? Hey, what's up, Nathan? Oh, it has been a good day. It's It's been interesting. I mean, I've done, got a lot done today. How about you? Have you have you had a busy day? Not too bad. Like, we just had our whole team flew in, so I just got them out. I did wake up at like 6 a.m. or whatever to get them to the airport early, but no, it's been a great day. It's been uh, good to catch up and just, you know, excited to teach. This You're like the third interview I've done today. Oh my gosh. Wow. So you've been on three podcasts or, or two podcasts so far? Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're busy. You're a busy guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, and by the way, I love the studio. I know if people are watching this on the, or listening to this on podcast, you can't see the studio, but you got, it's a nice studio. I know that's dope. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, the, it's amazing what you can do out of your home nowadays, right? I know. It's crazy. I would, I would assume that you're at, uh, you know, a high rise right now or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too damn cheap for that. So, <laughs> uh, hey, I feel you. You got, you got to save where you can. So, hey, everybody, I got Chris on here. You know, we've networked through being in a couple, I think we're in a mastermind, the family, right? We're in the family together. That's and, right. uh, you know, it, we, I went on his podcast a little bit ago, Chris. There's a lot to learn from Chris. So, Chris, I know for people who don't know you, I mean, can you give us like a, like a minute intro just to, to who you are and uh, what you do? Yeah. Besides the fact that I'm a father of eight, you know, with blended family, you know, my wife and I, my wife has two, I have six. So we have this massive Brady bunch of kids and you just happen to get me during the quiet point when nobody's around. Right. So, uh, don't be surprised if I'm yelling at some point, but, um, yeah, living in Utah, just love, you know, loving life out here. And, uh, the thing is, I mean, what I do now is I I really am kind of financially independent for the second time. Right. So I, I became financially independent when the first time I was 28, I had enough passive income where I could stop working actively, but I, I just get bored. Um, I got beat up by the recession in 2008. So I learned a lot from that after going over a million dollars in debt after becoming a millionaire. And then I had to dig out of that hole, work my way back um, and became, you know, financially independent the second time back in 2016. So basically became financially independent twice by the time I'm 39, not because I'm awesome. I just, cause I screwed up and I had to do it a second time just to do it right. Dude, that is uh, honestly amazing. So let me ask you a question about, um, getting out of that debt, right? Like, did, did you yeah. have to make another million dollars and pay it all off to get out of that? Or was there a strategy to get out of that debt? There was definitely a strategy. I mean, part of it is I had to sell assets, right? Even man, I mm. sell off everything I own just to try to get some cash to help pay some of those things off. I did some negotiating. I learned that uh, reading one of Donald Trump's books. Like he had done the same thing. I mean, he he had 900 million of debt. Uh, I only had about 1.1. So it was a little bit easier for me than him. But uh, I did negotiate some things. You know, I tried to get it down. Like even the creditors like Mercedes had to turn in after the recession, right? It was 31,000 I think I owed after they auctioned it off. And uh, we were able to negotiate it down to like 7,500 bucks. Like get out you're seriously you're able so. to negotiate it down from 31 to 7500 oh yeah well yeah i mean think about banks as well as credit card companies they're just like every other investor you know if if they if they know that there's a possibility they may never get paid they'll take just about anything i mean i had <laughs> wow. i had a credit card actually that i didn't have to pay on uh but my wife's mm-hmm. like come on chris because they've been over 10 years there's american express i got through costco right and yes and I yes had like over thirty thousand dollars on that one and and it went past this you know the seven eight year mark and so they they really couldn't collect anything on me, but mm-hmm. I said, Hey, listen, guys, I know you can't collect anything, but I'll pay you a thousand bucks right now. Just, just do that. And so I did. Just have, the, paid. Just have the kindness of your heart. You're like, let's just get, let me just give you a thousand or what was yeah, the, that one was already that? off my credit report by that point. But I said, Oh, mm-hmm. you know what? I have the money. Like, well, I wasn't mm-hmm. going to pay him 30 grand. I just said, you know what? I know you want something, something's better than nothing. Cause that's really what you have claimed to at this point. Right. Um, so 
here, I'll pay you something. So, so yeah, I negotiated, I paid down a lot of it was earning more money to help pay down several hundred thousand of that. I mean, so it wasn't like I negotiated everything down to nothing. I mean, I, I still easily out of pocket was coming out of easily over half a million, you know, total with yeah, everything. Even after, because when I, what, yeah, sorry, that, that's amazing. Because when I hear that, I'm like, man, so you had to get 1.1 or one million dollars on top of whatever your earnings were, like to survive mm -hmm. and pay your house. But you're you're saying you were able to learn from reading Donald Trump's book and other, probably from other people, yeah. how to get that down to around half a million. Yeah, exactly. That must feel good, at least like, hey, knowing you like you you use that skill set to to be able to negotiate for sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely that that helped. I mean. It, it wasn't easy. I mean, I, I'll tell you the mental game was the harder part than even the financial game. Financial game, there's some strategy there, but it's not that hard to do. It's the emotions, right? I mean, especially because at the time I felt like a complete loser because, you know, after the, you know, during the last recession, I was actually teaching people how to get out of the rat race only to find myself mm -hmm. back in it. You know, yeah. um, give you a little bit more background. I actually started out as a financial advisor. That's why I'm the anti-financial advisor now. <laughs> that's because, right. Yeah, that's right. You know, so I started out that way um, back over 20 years ago and I was a financial advisor for four years. And during that time, I remember my dad, finally, the guy who taught me how to save, spend nothing, you know, he's like Dave Ramsey's older brother, like the guy that Dave oh, Ramsey gosh. looked up to, right? <laughs> um, just, I mean, he was so proud. He paid off his house early. He did everything right. He was saving his 401ks and everything. And then when I sat down with him, he was 61 years old. He said, all right, Chris, I want to retire. Hopefully in the next few years, mm -hmm. you know, tell me, what can I do here? And I'm looking at the situation. I said, dad, if I'm to be honest, if it weren't for social security, you better hope you die in five years because you only have enough money to last you five years, even though wow. you, you're debt free and you've been saving your 401ks, it's not enough because wow. the market had just beat his butt in Y2K, right? And the, the turn of the, the millennium, you know? So yeah. when he had that, even though it was recovering and he made some of that money back, it's just, that's the thing that the market is just retarded. I mean, it's, it really yeah. is. It's just, it's bipolar. It's like that crazy. And when you say market, are you, are you assuming the, the stock, are you talking stock about the stock market? market? Yeah. Okay. It's, that's it's the typical stock market when, because every financial advisor tells you really, they're not financial experts. Financial mm -hmm. advisor just telling you to invest in the same old crap, the same old mutual funds, IRAs, 401ks, Roth IRAs, you know, annuities. It's always the same junk right? Mm -hmm. It's always the same thing. They just try to package it, make it look sexy. But the truth is you're put into this mediocre market that literally the SP 500s only average about 7.75% for the last 30 years as mm -hmm. a real rate of return, not the average that everybody talks about. That's like 10 to 12%. Right. It's like 7.75. So you take all these high risks, you get mediocre returns. It's just never enough. And, and, and see, when I saw my dad's situation, I realized crap, if he didn't make it, what hope is there for almost anybody? And I looked at my own clients, clients that have been with advisors for decades that I inherited later on because the advisors either quit or retired. Yeah. And I'm looking at those people. I'm like, well, none of them are financially free. Not even the retired doctors. They're still worried about running out of money. And then I looked at the financial advisors. And if you strip away all the money they make with the assets under management, which are really just commissions, right? You mm -hmm. strip that away. They were broke too. There was guys I knew that were working there since the 1970s that were still working their tail off as old men because they could not fully retire. You're blowing so my, never You're blowing my so, mind right now. You're yeah, so why, if it hadn't worked for them, why would it work for me or anybody else? So yeah, that's I why I, I was like, I got to quit. I got to get out of this, this thing because I, I can keep teaching it, put blinders on like many of the financial advisors that were friends of mine were doing, mm -hmm. or I do something else. And okay. when the students ready, the teacher appears, that's when one of my friends who is a real estate investor said, yeah, you need to get out of that industry. Here's the light, right? Here's actually what Robert Kiyosaki is talking about. You know, this is what Rich Dad Porta actually does and uh, started to get more in the real estate space. Um, and okay. that's what, you know, kind of got me out, you know? And so 
that's that's kind of who made me who I am today. So let me ask you this. So when you lost, uh, you said in 2008, you lost pretty much everything. Were you mm-hmm. a financial advisor at that time? Or were you already in the game of what you're doing now where you're showing people um, how yeah, to Yeah, I was get in the game at that point. So 2006 was when, well, by the beginning of 2006, when I quit being a financial advisor, later that year, I was able to be financially independent, uh, where okay. I only need like 3,500 bucks a month to live. So it wasn't hard to gather at race back then. Right. You know, where when I had to do it the second time, I had to have over 10,000 a month coming in with eight kids. Right. So yeah, yeah. It's a bigger, larger feat. Yeah. Larger feet right there. So the same thing that got you in financially independent in 2008, what's the difference? Have you done things now that like would shield you from something like that happening again? Yeah. The, the difference was this is, um, the funny thing is the thing that got me out of the rat race in 2006, I stopped doing in 2007 okay. because, you know, well, I mean, you get it. I mean, we got wholesalers on here, right? Like it's awesome that you can take a very little money and make a lot of money. And in right. fact, there's even some, I even did some, I was just realizing today, I never called it wholesaling, but I actually did some like under the table wholesale type deals with friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, just didn't charge them a fee, but I essentially kind of helped them do it. And maybe a few cases I might've like, you know, said, Hey, pay me a thousand bucks for helping. Yeah. Give me a finder's fee or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Like a finder's fee. Exactly. I was just like headhunting in a sense and matching them up with investors. But, but, you know, I was doing that kind of stuff, but I wanted to go into flipping because, you know, you're making 300 bucks a door a month. It, and I wasn't even making that, by the way, because, mm-hmm. you know, there's some of these properties I was cashing out all the equity and I started becoming negative uh, cash flow on some of those properties. Right. Yeah. Right. It was appreciating just like we saw in 2021. We're seeing all this appreciation. I'm like strip the equity out, reinvest, just keep burning that cash flow through. And, and so I was That's doing right. that stuff, but I was going more for the home runs. I was like, well, if I can flip and make 50 or 100 grand, why not do that? And so it's kind of a go big, go home mentality. I went more of a gambler's mentality versus a cash flow Mm. passive income mentality. And that's what got me in trouble um, with other things, other elements that happened in that recession too, especially with starting a new business. Um, The difference now is one, I'm a horrible active investor. Um, I'm not a good property manager, I realized. I'm a pushover. Like if somebody gives me a good sob story, I'm like, well, I need the money, but all right, one more month. You know, like that's that's what yeah. got me the problem with some of the properties I had before. So um, nowadays I buy like turnkey properties where I don't property manage. You know, like I'll just buy turnkeys, long-term rentals, okay. have somebody else do all the management. I get paid the profits, right? What do you usually do? Like 10% property management fee for them to do the uh, whole thing? It depends. I mean, some of them are as low as six or 8%. Um, most of them are usually about 8% on average, I'd say. Okay. Eight or nine. Cool. So yeah, pay them for that and, you know, and then just collect the the profits off of it. So I, you know, I don't have to do anything other than buy it and then they manage it all. I don't even know my renter's names anymore. You know, it's, it's all it's a nice place funny. to be, right? <laughs> it's it a nice is. place yeah, to be not knowing right. who your renters are. Well, yeah. Are, and even, are when, you, even uh, when there's bad stuff, I mean, even like syndications, you know, buying with other partners into multifamily, let somebody else operate and manage that, you know, then you have to worry more about who you're investing with versus just what you're investing in. But, you know, sure. doing multifamily syndications, I do oil. There's like an oil syndication where you're leasing the land to the oil companies and you make money off of that. And you make money from the profits of the drilling, okay. you know, wow. there's all kinds of ways you can make money in the passive space. That's amazing. Okay. So, uh, when you do, um, let's see, the multifamily or the properties that you have, is it mainly Utah? Because I know we both live here. Is it, or are you trying to do it in other states? Or other Usually areas? other areas. Like I'm, I'm doing nothing in the Western half of the US because things are really hard high to, priced, low rent, hard, you know, ratios. Hard to cash flow, right? Yeah. So I look more like the Midwest to Southeast. Like I've got properties like in North Carolina, Birmingham, you know, like Alabama, Memphis, Tennessee, places like that. Um, you know, even lately I've seen Arkansas is actually going to be a decent market 
you know, depending on the market and what kind of properties you're finding. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's definitely opportunities, but most of them are all out East from where I am. And they're turnkey you're saying they're, you're not really they're messing turnkey. with distressed yeah. properties. Exactly. So yeah, we're just buying properties. Sometimes they're new construction. There's been more new construction lately than just old renovation projects. But usually if you get some renovated projects, you can sometimes get a better cash on cash return. My baseline of what I would like to get is at least a 10% cash on cash on, on that okay. kind of property. That's pretty good cash on cash, right? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Especially yeah, now. Great. Yeah. So, so tell me, are you, are you finding these properties through wholesalers that are bringing you deals? Are you MLS mostly getting them from on the market on the MLS? Where, where are you getting these? Usually from turnkey companies that either have relationships with wholesalers or they've um, or they're actually just renovating them and doing themselves. You know, like, um, I know I'm in another real estate mastermind group where that guy, he, he's, you know, he's a wholesaler and a flipper too, but mm-hmm. he also buys some properties saying, Hey, I'm going to renovate this project, you know, and then flip it, sell it to the investors. So he just does this fix and flips, he flips it and then property manages it on the back end. So he sells it away. Then he's making the money on the property management. So he's still, he's almost kind of, you know, double dipping in his, yeah. his case, you know? That's a good, that's a good strategy. If you can yeah. find them, flip them and then property manage them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So are you looking for, are you getting traditional financing on these? Cause I know you, I think you can only have up to a limit of 10. So are you, are you trying to get some on seller finance? Are you trying to get some creative financing on these? How does that no, work? Usually we can do pretty well. Even with, if you go outside FHA guidelines, there's other lending you can do as well. And they might have a higher rate, might not. Mm-hmm. Um, lately though, um, I haven't run into that situation because the turnkeys that some of the ones that have been the best actually are, you can buy in cash outright. <laughs> so oh, they're actually yeah. better even without financing, especially with the way the rates have gone up. So okay. it just depends on the project. But uh, yeah, I haven't really run into that situation too often. Even if you did, there's always portfolio loans you can do where you can roll them all together into one package. You can do that yeah. too. Have you seen that the builders are a little motivated to get more motivated to get rid of their properties to sell at a discount? Because they're like, I got Definitely. all these houses, I need to get rid of them. Definitely. Yeah. They, just in the last really three to six months. Um, I mean, it went from like, you know, major seller's market. You couldn't negotiate anything as a buyer to all of a sudden now. Uh, I mean, you're, it's almost standard for a builder. And I've even seen this with non-builders as well. Uh, you can ask them to put more money down on the closing costs to help buy down your rate by buying it right. down 2%, for example. So yeah, there's a lot more flexibility now than there were, especially because people don't want to buy. Now they're actually... I guess you could say they got a little slice of humble pie. And so now they're willing to work with you a little bit more to give you some better yes. deal and better numbers. It is nicer. I mean, calling real estate agents and trying to negotiate a deal over the last few years has been painful, but now they're like, just make an offer. And you're like, all right, mm-hmm. now I got the power. I love it. So l- let me ask you this. For a pe- person like me who has taken Dave's Ramsey, t- Dave Ramsey advice uh, mm-hmm. to a certain extent, and I have most of my money in uh, raw IRAs, I have most of my money in stocks. I have a couple rentals, but then it's just like not, I haven't really gone too deep into that because as a wholesaler, I haven't really kept as many assets. I've had to run a wholesaling company where you really can't keep that much because you're you're churning and burning, right? You got to get everyone, right. keep everyone paid. And I, I tell people wholesaling is not the best business model. I, I think it's mm-hmm. a good way, a good strategy to learn. I think it's good to have that as an extra strategy. But if your goal is to only wholesale, that's a mistake. You need to be able that's to do right. everything. And um, so for, for someone in my position, where it's like, hey, I'm starting to come up and I guess level up. What should I do with this money? It depends on what you want to do with it. I guess it's really the key. Um, I want the I think passive in, life like you. You're the passive man. That's <laughs> right. I think in general, 
some of that money, even some of your profits, if you can get some profits from your company, rather than putting everything back into the business, take profit. Uh, that's why I recommend uh, one of the shows I was on was actually Profit First for real estate investors, right? And oh, uh, I love that. I got to tell you profit, something about that, but keep going. Yeah, Profit First is awesome. I mean, be able to try to take money home, take some of the profits actually home versus always putting it back in the business. Because if you're always, right. quote unquote, reinvesting into your business, what you're really saying is, I'm spending money in my business, right? I'm not profitable, right. you know? Like I'm reinvesting my money in my, my business right now in this year. And I've done a lot of aggressive stuff to build the YouTube channels and things like that. But that being said, that's a temporary situation. That's not a permanent habit. Some people get in the habit of always reinvesting, which just means they don't take home money. And so I think yeah, it's for true. a personal standpoint, and this is true with anything, wholesaling is awesome. If you want to build, you can build a multi-million dollar business in wholesaling, right? You can right. build a massive business, make lots of money. The key is though, if you want to create real wealth, you got to get outside of that business model and get into something that does have more assets that where you're building a legacy, right? You're building right. an actual wealth in your, in your portfolio. So your personal portfolio grows, not just your, your business. Yeah, and that's, exactly. I think the number one mistake I see with beginning wholesalers, especially, um, I was, more I was there once see it. I, I totally know I was there. I mean, it's the most yeah. a- active income. It's so it's not passive at all. Wholesaling is no. not passive at all. It's the opposite of passive. You got to be on that phone negotiating next deal. You close one, got to get the next one. But if you can start to learn how to keep the good ones, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the, uh, that's the goal. I think that's why everyone tried to get into it. Cause they're like, Oh, I can start a business that I can cherry pick. It's like, well, Hey, yeah. you got to do this the right way. Cause you ain't cherry picking anything. If your marketing <laughs> expenses are like 20 K a month and you got employees, right? right? Yeah. So about profit first, this is really exciting. So I finally went to North one. I don't know if you've heard of North one. It's a website that like, I think it's um, a software service that it banks through bank corp. So I just opened this mm. up and, and now yeah. When I get a deposit into my uh, North One account, it automatically puts it in the envelopes, profit first envelopes. So it's got like 45% yep. operating expenses, 35% owner pay. So I, I just did it and I just started transferring all my money over there from Wells Fargo because Wells Fargo stinks. They, they make me have a balance on everything. And so anyway, I'm switching yep. all my money and it's starting to hit the the North One account. It feels yeah. so good to have it hit all those different envelopes automatically. And I'm like, whew. Now I can really see where everything's going. So I, I get super excited that I'm doing the profit first thing too. So it's exciting. Yeah, that's that's so important to understand is that that kind of discipline and really ensuring that you do get paid. You know, like it's good to do, build it. Even if it's 1% profit, you put into that little bucket, that account, right? Great, mm-hmm. do it. You know, start there and then build up if you have to. But, yeah. you know, having those kind of habits right up front, really track your money. Another thing I've, 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 uh, I mean, I'm, I'm about to go to a mastermind with a bunch of wholesalers here, here pretty soon. And all across the board, even the experienced ones are all feeling some sort of stress from the changing of the markets. Right. Yeah. So some course, of them, of course. the ones, the ones that definitely are weathering the storm, the best are the ones that learn from previous, you know, recessions and things like I did, the things I learned from, from getting my butt kicked is having cash reserves, you know, and for sure. And now I'll tell you this, I mean, one, that's why you want to have profit going to different buckets, but that's why I, I keep my money. Like my wife saying, Hey, we got to have at least quarter million dollars. You don't touch Chris. You can't have it. You can't touch this. Like hammer says, right. You know, I you can't, can't, can't put your hands on this. Like this is just for us and our family alone, not including right. my business, you know, uh, expense, uh, my business expense account that I have for operating in case things go under or something that, crazy. That's completely happens. separate. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Totally separate. So I have business savings and I've got personal savings and someone might say, oh, but Chris, like, you could be making an extra 30, 40, 50 grand a year off that cash, just sitting there mm-hmm. doing nothing, right? When someone thinks only offense and not defense. And so, and they're right. It's true. I could be doing that and, and generate more cash flow from that. 
But, uh, but what I do is I keep a good chunk of that money. Like I keep it in higher yielding accounts. So I have like a higher yielding savings account. And yeah, there's one mm -hmm. I got like online with like 3% a year. It's not great, but at least it hey, pays it, a little interest. It does the work. It does, it does the work. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. But I keep the bulk of my money actually inside my life insurance, you know, my whole life insurance type of accounts, you know, that cash mm -hmm. savings account that's tax-free earning like five to 6% a year. So I'll do that where if I know it's going to have to sit around and that's the thing I told my wife, I said, I'm not keeping this in the bank earning literally 0.05 percent in my credit union. I'm not going to yes. do that. So I said, here, let's earmark of our 250,000, 200,000. I keep in my life insurance. The other 50,000, great. We'll keep in the local bank. We have to go grab it today or whatever it might be. Right. But now at least I've got, I'm earning at least another $10,000 a year more than if I just let it sit in the bank. And so I use that whole infinite banking strategy, not just for investing, but I also use it just for holding my cash and being liquid, especially at times just like this, where I tell you, like, this is the most exciting time right now. Like recessions like this that we're, we're mm -hmm. I think we're already in, even though they say we're not in it right now because we got yeah. out with that great quarter, one quarter that mm -hmm. just have to be positive. Trust me, we're still in a recession right now. Wealth is built during recessions, right? You can make good Let's money get from it. up markets, right? It, you, you can make money in those markets, but true, real big wealth is made during a recession. Mm -hmm. If you're cash liquid, if you have money available, not just to weather a storm, but for opportunities that people can't afford to do, that's the best time to do it and make a killing right now. So that's if I were to give any advice, uh, is that is have liquid cash available. Man, you're getting me pumped right now. Just thinking I'm about totally it. I'm totally pumped. <laughs> Every time I hear more news that people start getting despair, I'm like, great. Like I, I don't feel I feel horrible for the average American, of, of course, because I've been there. Like yeah. obviously I've I mean, I've been I've been broker than broke, you know. Like, you've been, I was, been I was broker, broker, than broker than a homeless guy. You know, yeah, you lost more money than most people will ever have. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I get it. Like I've been on welfare, I've been through hard times, but I, so I don't wish pain on anybody. Mm -hmm. But I do, I do recognize when there's opportunity. It's it's opportunity to one be more cautious and aware. That's one thing you have to be careful of. Is not just have dollar signs in your eyes and you gamble too much. But it's, it is a great opportunity that if you have the cash, you have the means, you can create a lot more wealth, do some amazing things. And real estate's usually the best place to do it in. I love that. So I know the infinite baking. I've talked to some people about it. I'm, I'm assuming those strategies, like you have to, you have to have money in order to, to you like utilize that stuff. You can't be rocking around with like a couple thousand in your bank account and it'd be worth it. Right. Right. Yeah. If you only got a couple thousand in your bank account, just buy a cheap term and then you can convert later when you're in a better position. But if you got at least five, 10,000 a year, you're trying to put away to save or to invest even. Mm -hmm. then, you know, then you've got some options for sure. And that, and I see that a lot with real estate investors. Most of them will look at it as one to stay cash liquid, especially if they want to get lending opportunities. It's always nice mm -hmm. to be able to, I can just show my statement of my life insurance. I don't have to show a bank statement. I just say, right. here, here's my life insurance. And they say, great, check cash reserves done. And now what's your credit like? What's your debt to income ratios? And then they can check those off the list, right? I love it. But the other thing is too, is that I can use that money in my business or even with my investments to double dip. To get my money to pay me twice because and tax the cool free, thing right? is, what's that? Isn't it's tax free too, right? To use the infinite banking money, it is. It's tax free. Um, now it's not like a Roth IRA where you invest with a Roth, right? It's not like that. It's literally like a tax free savings account that you can pull money from. But um, the strategy that confuses people a lot, especially in the real estate space, is 
wait, I have to borrow my own money. I have to pay for my own money. Quick answer is no one. You don't, um, you mm -hmm. can just withdraw cash. But the reason that investors don't do that, the reason why most people will get a line of credit against it, whether it be with the bank or the life insurance company. And just so you know, that line of credit does not have a monthly payment affixed to it. So wow. you can pay it back however, whenever you want, um, as long as you pay it back by your death, which is what they just use when they pay your death benefit. They just take the loan amount out when you borrowed, <laughs> pay the rest <laughs> of your family tax-free, right? Right, right. But you have that flexibility. So if you're even doing a flip and maybe that project takes six to nine months, great. Rather than having to pay on a, like a line of credit where you have to pay monthly to the bank, you don't have to do that here. Like you can actually mm -hmm. just let the interest accrue just like you would like a student loan and deferral and then pay it back later if you want. You don't even have to. That's the cool thing. The reason that banks do that or why insurance companies are willing to do that is because at minimum, they will pay you at least 3% a year tax-free. Um, that's the worst case scenario. If they don't even pay you a dividend, that's just the guarantee bottom line. Um, a lot of the companies I've used, they've been paying for at least the last 175 years straight more than that minimum you know so wow so uh, that's why i'm saying even in the low interest rate environment now um they're like five almost six percent currently if i understand your strategy really quick so it's forget the stock market if you have uh money you want to invest it in passive income that comes from real estate but also yeah. use infinite banking as your strategy as well but not yeah. uh, not really dabble in the 401ks or the uh, definitely not you know, stock no, those, especially if you want to have any financial freedom before you're 60,000 years old right i mean <laughs> think about it i mean the 401k right. they make you keep it there till you're 59 and a half like they lock it up i mean it, not to mention there's no tax benefit to a 401k and if you're a real estate investor i mean if you're going to be a real estate yeah. professional and investor right i mean mm -hmm. you get all these tax us from being able to depreciate properties and everything else, you don't even want the 401k because that's the worst tax rate you can be in. Like we all know if you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the worst tax you can have is ordinary income tax. Well, that's guess crazy. how you're taxed with the 401k. When you pull it out, yeah, they give you the deduction, but all they're doing mm -hmm. is just deferring your tax to a later date, which is probably when you have the least tax benefits. So wow. I really get hit with the taxes now so I don't have to get taxed at all or later or very little because I can use that real estate professional status to offset those taxes. You know, like one of my friends, he's a syndicator, right? He buys a lot of multifamily projects and whatnot. I mean, he mm -hmm. made almost a million bucks last year um, just personally, but he claimed 25000 on his taxes because of all those write-offs, all the depreciation, and everything else. Wow. Well, he's also dumping 300,000 a year into his life insurance plan to use that to invest because he knows that he can borrow from it be able to invest in that project, right? Take the cash flow from that project, put it back in to pay down that line of credit with the life insurance. And what happens is he makes way more interest than what he's paying in interest. It's the same thing the bank does to you, right? When you put money in a savings account earning point nothing percent, they're going to loan it out at a 6%, 7% mortgage or car loan, right? Or even a 20% credit card. They're literally making bank off of you. You're just doing the same thing. You're just turning the table saying, wait, I want to pay less interest to them and make more off of them in return. That's what you do with the life insurance. You make more in dividends than you pay in the interest to them. So you make a spread, you make a yield on that wow. and you can still invest it. You can still make cash flow with it. So it's, it's a way to double dip. And if you're a business owner, which obviously you are, if you're wholesaling, right? Mm -hmm. you, if you use it for business purposes, the interest that you are paying, guess what? You write that off on your taxes anyways. So not only are you making more in interest than what you're paying, but you're writing it off too. So you're actually making like a triple dip, as I call it, as a business owner. Wow, man, you're blowing my mind here. I think we might need to talk after this, after the podcast. <laughs> That's so. <laughs> That's cool, a whole other podcast by itself, right? I love it. Yeah, and I know you got to go, right? You got to you got to stop in mm -hmm. a little bit, but I think this is amazing because you know most of the financial advice 
advisors that we most people hear about are Dave Ramsey and the you know the the deal guys or I, I don't know you go on YouTube and they're it's very safe advice it, not safe mm -hmm. advice it, you just feel like it's safe because it's so simple it's like oh just put your money here and don't touch it for 50 years and you're good uh -huh. and it's like oh that sounds easy and it sounds like your strategy is simple as well you just need to know how to navigate it and it's better because of the benefits of the dividends and I mean it sounds like you're just doing what the bank's doing to you from what, what I've heard you're just yeah. using it in your in your favor. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm using something that is guaranteed and it's different than what most traditional people will talk about. Right. But I'm also investing in real estate. You know, like I'm investing in the thing that those financial advisors will tell you never to put money in. Why? Because they don't make a dime in commissions if you put your money in real estate. They're going to tell you all the time, put your money in their crap, which has yeah. been proven not to work. I've already seen it. You know, I already saw with everybody's lives, they weren't becoming financially free, being going with that traditional, I call it comfortable saver advice, not conservative right. investor advice. Like they always say, I'm a conservative right. investor. You're a comfortable saver because the masses are doing it, but the masses are broke. Why follow the masses? Do what's been proven to work, which there are already literally millions of us that have done real estate investing made millions of dollars doing it. Why not right. go with something that's proven versus something that hasn't been working yet? So how, how do you help someone like me or, or that's been taking the old advice? Like how do you do you, if I gave you, let's just say I gave you half a million or let's get a hundred thousand, mm -hmm. whatever I say, I right, do what you got to do. It's yours. Do is that what you do? Do you just take people's money and get this all set up? Or do you teach people how to do it? Like, how does that even work? We're more on the teaching side and consulting. Uh, so we actually, rather than taking your money and investing it for you, that's, that's kind of risky in my opinion is mm -hmm. a lot of responsibility there, but more teaching you how to invest it, like where are the best options for you? And then we actually have a whole Rolodex of, of a network of people that we've vetted over the years, primarily people that have actually been through full market cycles, right? Like, like if you're looking to put money into a, you know, a multifamily project, you better be with a guy that maybe has been doing this for the last 15, 20 years versus someone who just showed up in 2018 and said, oh, I made money on a couple of deals. I've done two projects so far. And somehow you're going to trust him with your money. Right, you know, that's, right. That's that risky. Sense. So it's like, go for the people that actually have been there, done that, still doing it today. And you can put your money there or you can do buy turnkeys or whatever you do. We can help you strategize to figure out where would be the best places based on what you want, whether it's growth, cash flow, or both. Man, I love it. So where can they find you, Chris? Where can they find you if they, they're interested in the strategies that you teach to really teach uh, passive and financial freedom? Yeah, easy place. Go to moneyripples.com. That's money ripples, not nipples. I had a few people ask about that one. That's not the case. Okay? Okay. <laughs> We're not in that kind of business. You know, money ripples. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, moneyripples.com. You can go there, or we also have the Money Ripples YouTube channel where we got podcasts and short videos on these kind of subjects too. I love it. I love it. Well, everyone check out money. As he said, ripples, moneyripples.com. And uh, <laughs> that's funny. But no, I, I think this is amazing because when you come from a background like me where I, I didn't, you know, I didn't always have a ton of money. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying I have a ton of money, but I'm just saying you, you don't really know what to do with it. Right. So you yeah. start going on YouTube, just like as your new wholesale, you're like, I don't know what to do. Let me learn. So it sounds like you, you provide a great product that helps people really, uh, know how to invest their money. And that's super valuable. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's keep chatting. I think me and you can have a call later, but this has been the painless wholesaling podcast, showing people how to get into real estate investing the painless way. All right, Chris, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Peace out.